Hello, everyone. Welcome to Smoke the Podcast, episode 19. Um, sorry to leave you guys on such a cliffhanger on the yeah. last episode. <laughs> yeah, we had a little bit of uh, that noise pollution coming in there, and we had kind of actually gone a little longer than I thought. So Yeah, it's a pretty uh, in-depth topic um, yeah, we weren't, that we were going to continue on. We weren't sure if it was going to be a two-week topic or, or one, so obviously we know it's two weeks now. And with um, <laughs> the way that Ryan talks, I was sure it was going to okay. be two weeks. <laughs> okay. This so today guy. we're coming at you with a little bit of a different episode. <laughs> Uh, we are smoking a cigar. Um, we'll tell you about that uh, in a few. Yeah. Um, a little bit different, though. It is sober October. Ugh. <laughs> so, I am not drinking anything today. Yeah. Not drinking anything alcoholic, I should say. Um, I'm not drinking anything alcoholic either. Okay, well, I mean, <laughs> but you are drinking something today. Would you like to let the audience know what you're drinking today? Yeah. So actually, we did this kind of as a last-minute little joke. We thought, not joke, but we just thought it would be funny. Um, Heineken, uh, the beer company, just released their Heineken 0.0. And it is a 0% alcohol um, beer, uh, I guess. I, I don't know if <laughs> you it's... Call it a beer? Can you call it a beer if it's, there's no alcohol in it? Well, what's funny is on the bottle it says 0.0, .0 and then underneath it says alcohol-free. So does that mean it's 0.0, .0 alcohol-free, meaning it has alcohol in it? Well, it's I, like a double negative. I mean, yeah. I know it's not. I know there's no alcohol in there. But. <laughs> I, th I thought it was like 0.0, uh, .0 like zero calories and, and zero sugar. No, I think there's still <laughs> there's, there's, there's uh, 68 calories, I think. Oh wow, that's a lot of carbohydrates though. It's like <laughs> 16 grams of car carbs, which is kind of insane. Um, so we don't really have a review on this thing because again, it was last minute, but I will read the back of the bottle, which says Heineken's unique 0.0, .0 recipe is brewed uh, with pure malt and special A yeast, just like the original Heineken lager beer. Heineken 00, um, brewed with pure malt for a premium taste without alcohol. So. Yeah, and it is bottled, brewed and bottled by Heineken in Amsterdam, Holland. Um, so that's pretty cool. The reason why we chose Heineken over some of the other, um, no I guess, non-alcoholic non beers is because I've actually had regular Heineken beer before, and we thought it would be a little easier for me to compare the taste. Yeah, me personally, I'm not much of a beer drinker, so... That's why, yeah. I wasn't going to bring anything well, to this conversation. if you would like one, there are more in the fridge, so... Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Careful, we got a whole sixer of this stuff, so... We, we, might, we might get a little crazy tonight. Whoa. That surprisingly tastes like Heineken beer. Really? That's, like, really, really good. <laughs> Which is funny, because, you know, Heineken to me is... Uh, it's not my go-to beer, but you know, if if they're uh, they're there, I'll I'll drink them. They're I think they're a pretty decent beer, but I mean, you prefer that... it over like a, any domestic beer, like a Budweiser or. No, I no. I'm a Coors Light guy. A Coors That's, Light, yeah. no matter what, I would I would probably take Coors Light over Heineken any okay. day. But I will say this: if if there was like you know Blue Moon, Stella, like a mix of some of the. I don't want to say higher end because they're not high end by any means, yeah. but something nicer than your everyday Coors or Bud Light, um, I would definitely pick a Heineken over over some of those other ones. Um, so, uh, so being, I mean, being that zero alcohol, 
um, would you say that that would kind of like maybe curb a craving if you had a beer craving? Um, yeah, this is actually pretty awesome because <laughs> um, it's been only five days uh, since uh, since my last beer. Um, or drink in general. Yeah, or drink in general. Um, but um, not not that uh, not that I like felt the urge of oh my gosh I have to have a beer or anything like uh. that. But actually, this is really good. I could easily drink this in lieu of beer. The only downside is that for a six pack, I believe it was nine ninety nine, and then with California the bottle tax and everything else, oh, yeah. I think it came out close to like twelve bucks. So yeah, that's kind of steep for non alcoholic beer. <laughs> for non alcoholic beer and for beer that you're buying at the store. Yeah, you know I expect to pay four or five dollars a beer at a restaurant, and I'm paying two dollars, three dollars almost for two dollars for a bottle um, at the store, which is yeah, it's steep for non alcoholic beer. So. Um, but good, really good actually. So if you like Heineken and you are looking to uh, not drink for the month of sober October, I would highly recommend Heineken Zero Zero. We wanted to try and find some non-alcoholic whiskey, but that just doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could look it up. There, well, there was some. There were some, but I couldn't yeah. find it anywhere. Yeah, around. you're not gonna buy that yeah. at the store. Yeah. So. All right. What about the cigar? What are we smoking today? So. Um, Today, it's a little scary for me because we are smoking uh, a Gurkha. Uh, this is a Gurkha Beauty. So, it is on the milder side, <laughs> but typically Gurkhas are, are pretty strong <laughs> from what I hear. Um, I try to stay away from them uh, because, <laughs> a, as you know, I, I am a little bit of a... Uh, a lighter a, weight. Yeah, of a lighter weight. There you go. Well, and uh, even I stay away from them, and I tend to smoke more than you do, so... Um, so from cigarsinternational.com, uh, here's their uh, little write-up. It says, Gurkha Beauty, a, a phenomenon that many of you cigar lovers have surely heard of. One of the finest examples of ultra-premium wares in the Gurkha house of brands, uh, Beauty reigns supreme as the smoothest, most luxurious Gurkha on the market. So that, that's, uh, that's speaking pretty highly of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, each patiently crafted cigar in this box comes attractively packaged inside a heavy glass tube, uh, but the presentation is just the beginning. Hmm. Uh, expertly showcasing uh, an ultra-rare blend of five-year aged tobaccos and a superior Connecticut seed wrapper of only the finest grade, the cigar might just bring a tear to your eye. Wow. <laughs> That's pretty tough. That's kind of impressive, yeah. Uh, make me cry. That would yeah. be pretty tough. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I don't know that I would ever really cry over a cigar, but I guess if, if it, you know, was that good, maybe. Um, they're de it's definitely smooth, that's for sure. Um, I know we've talked about this before, how when you smoke a mild cigar, uh, you know, oftentimes you're going to get a lot more mild of a flavor. Like, and, and when I say mild, I mean mild in, in terms of how strong the, the tobacco itself yeah. is. Um, Oftentimes that results in mild flavor. And now we've had cigars that were so mild that it was like smoking almost nothing. Um, and then we've had cigars that have been pretty full-bodied or, or medium-bodied despite being a mild tobacco. This definitely has flavor. Yeah, similar it. to smoking, I mean to drinking, I'm sorry, drinking a uh, really, really smooth whiskey or bourbon. You know, sometimes it's, if it's, so, it's really, really smooth, it doesn't have a ton of flavor. Yeah. Um, it's almost the same. With cigars, similar. This, yeah, the flavor on this is amazing. It is. It's very good. 
Um, so this, uh, this particular cigar, the Gurkha Beauty, um, the shape is a Gordo, <laughs> <laughs> which is um, six and a half inches by 58 ring gauge. Okay. So it's pretty thick. Pretty yeah, thick. and it's it's a little thicker than what than the Robustos that we typically smoke. I think we're at like a 52 usually, somewhere around there. Yeah. Ring gauge. Yeah, and then the, uh, so the wrapper is uh, Ecuador, Connecticut, and um, the origin of this cigar is Dominican Republic. Oh, awesome. Um, so yeah, I mean... Pretty flavorful. I'm, I'm digging it. Um, hopefully, not doesn't get a little too strong. Even though the, the profile on here says it's uh, it's the mild medium range. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, like I said, for the most part, Gurkhas can be can be pretty pretty heavy. Well, <laughs> and there's a ton of like smoke coming off these things. Yeah, that does uh, off the foot. It's kind of a lot. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I just feel like even setting this thing down, it's just smoke's just pouring out of this thing. So. That's kind of cool. Um, I did notice on mine I had to cut mine a little deeper than I normally would on on the cap. Yeah. Um, just because my draw, despite this thing being as big as it is, the draw really wasn't so great. Um, um, yeah, I I only had to use one swipe on mine. Um, uh, I don't, we've talked about the cutters before. We use the well, I use a perfect cutter style that has the backing on it. So you can't shove your cigar all the way through the back right. of the cutter. Right. Um, so you, you basically have to take the uh, size cut that it lets you take. And typically it's fine. Yeah. Um, and in, in fact, I tend to use your cutter probably even more than mine um, when you have it here. But on something like this where it's like, okay, I'm not getting the draw that I was hoping to get off that cut. I got to go a little further. Yeah. Um, that's where the my, my cutter comes in handy. Or just do two cuts on yours. Yeah, so. some, and sometimes I've, I've had to take two, but this one had, had a pretty good draw. Um, yeah. I Honestly, I think it's going to open up a little bit more. Um, but yeah, it just feels down by the foot. It, it kind of just feels like I'm really having to pull on this thing. Um, the other thing is this thing comes with two bands. It comes with the, the Gurkha band, and then it comes with a, another band below it that says Beauty. Um, I usually just remove the second one and leave the main one on. I feel like it gives me something to hold on to. True. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It could just be me. Some people like to take the bands off. I don't really care either way. Yeah. Um, so let's go ahead and get into the topic. Um, our triggered firearms topic is concealed carrying and obtaining your concealed carrier permit in California. Yeah. Where did we leave off? Um, let me give you a little rundown. Cool. So basically, um, we're going to start talking about uh, from this standpoint, you've done your uh, applications. Right. For the California Department of Justice, for your county, for your business, um, you got a good, good cost statement that suffices and it passes uh, right. all the tests. Right. Um, you've done your interview, and you've done your live scan, and all that came back positive. Okay. Um, from there, where do you go? Okay, so assuming all that is complete and you're pretty much cleared to go, I think the last thing we talked about now, now I'm remembering, was. Um, the pre-approval process. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you can go and do the training right off the bat. Um, I know with some counties, they'll tell you just right away, like, hey, you're, you're cleared to go start training the moment you send in your application. I advise against that just in case, like we said, if you have a car accident or maybe some tickets or you know some kind of a violation where they're gonna call you in and want, want more information about that, um, they may, you know, it may get held up or whatever and you may have to pay for training that, you know, eventually maybe might not need. Um, so 
usually you'll have a good idea of whether or not you're gonna pass, but just in case, um, I always say, hey, look, you might as well wait. Um, then you're cleared for training, you're good to go. You're gonna sign up for training. Um, each county has their list of approved vendors that will like um, meet all the criteria required by the county. Okay. And they all, all the criteria I believe is set at the state level, um, but then it also, you know, the county adds probably their own things to it and stuff like that. Um, and so I think for the county of Riverside, there's about six to eight different approved vendors um, that they say you're good to go through. If you get your training done with them, it would count. Now, there are some that offer CCW training that are not on the approved list. So you gotta be really careful about that. Yeah. I know when you and I were at the gun show, there were a bunch of places advertising the eight hour CCW program. One of them that we talked to, they're only good in Orange County. So okay. if you take it there, yeah, you're good. But if you don't live in Orange County, it's pointless. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's kind of weird. It doesn't cross county lines in that case, you know? Um, but something, something to keep in mind. Um, most people in Riverside, there's a few places around here that are pretty good in, in Riverside County um, and in San Bernardino that are all close by here. Um, Orange County has a few too that are, that are pretty good. Um, the nice thing about Southern California is although there's a lot of traffic, everything's pretty close by. You know, you can kind of get to each and every one of these places depending on where you live. Uh, but most of the people in Riverside County actually just go through the Sheriff's Department. They offer their own training right there at the Sheriff's Academy. Um, and it's an, it's an eight-hour day, and it's four hours of classroom time, and then four hours of range time. Now, the four hours of class, you'll go in the morning, you'll sign up, you'll go in the morning and get there um, the day that you're scheduled, and you'll sign in again. Um, and basically what you're going to do is during that time, you're going to go over CCW laws, and then just the general knowledge about CCW, where you can and can't carry, um, what you can and can't carry, how you should carry, all that sort of thing. We're gonna go over that a little bit after okay. we get through this. So um, we'll get through some of that. And then just some of the laws pertaining to concealed carry. So that, that four hour class um, is pretty similar to taking a class where, for out of state. A lot of out of state CCWs, um, they, they require that kind of training. Um, the, the only difference is they don't require like the, the range training. Right. Um, so, you know, a lot of them require the, you know, you to take a class on the laws and you yeah. know, knowledge and, and things like that. So I know we've brought it up on, on the show here before and, and I know OPSEC is important, but also so is spreading the word as far as, you know, there's so many people that have so many questions, but both you and I have the capability of being to, uh, being able to carry out of state. Yes. Um, and we've taken courses, and I believe that the course that we had to take was a four-hour course. They go over the state law for where you are getting your permit. They'll go over some of the other state laws, um, maybe where you can carry federally, things like that, um, which is pretty cool. And then just general knowledge of how to carry, what kind of holsters to get, yeah. what kind of guns to carry. Um, and then they go through uh, scenarios with you, you know, shooting scenarios. Okay, here's a scenario. This is what you're walking into. Um, I remember very distinctly there were a lot of gray area scenarios yes, in the, the out-of-state one. Yeah, and I believe they did that on purpose. So that, yes. You know, that they would uh, kind of get some people in the right mentality, you know. And yeah. I don't know if it was the same because I know we did take the class separately. I don't know if it was the same for you. But he basically 
give all of the information leading right up to the shooting. And then he would ask, shoot, don't shoot, you know, what's your answer kind of a thing. Um, and then everyone in the class would kind of give, you know, raise their hand. Shoot, do you shoot in this case? Do you not shoot? Yeah. And then he would go, okay, here's what happened and here's what you should do. Yeah. You know, or if it was justifiable or if it, you know, mm -hmm. great, you know, whatever. The gray area ones, it was one of those ones where like, yes, maybe you're, that was a legal shooting, but was it the best case? Yeah. <laughs> well, he, he said, um, the, the teacher that, that I have basically said in the gray area ones is, is, are you going to, without a doubt, convince 12 people that um, that shooting was justified? Right. Meaning a jury. And what's crazy, though, too, is out of state, the laws are a lot more relaxed. So yeah. there were some where I was like, oh, no, there's no way. And then he'd be like, oh, yeah, that's a, that's, that's, <laughs> that's like standard over here. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> whoa, that's like way different than over here. Yeah. Um, and the teacher that I had was pretty good at knowing the California law too. Yeah. Yeah. Where, um, you know, there are certain things that you can do in California or that you can't do in California. I'm sorry that right. you can do in other States. Um, you know, I had no idea that in like an Arizona brandishing is legal. Yeah. <laughs> You're totally allowed to just brandish a weapon if someone's threatening you. Yeah. Where yeah. in California it's not, it's not. Yeah. 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 You need to have a valid reason to be yeah. pulling out. Your, yeah. You have to, you have to have, uh, your life has to be in danger. Pretty yeah. Much. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's pretty crazy. Um, and then one of the other big topics that they talk a lot about is concealed carry insurance or self-defense insurance. Um, we spoke to a guy at uh, the gun show, actually I think a couple, a couple guys over there um, that do um, concealed carry or self-defense insurance, which is pretty cool. So in the event that you are in a, in a shooting, um, you know, they send out a lawyer and they send out a whole team to kind of defend you and, and look through your case and everything else. Yeah, and the, the cool thing about the CCW school too is you get away from that like hero mentality and you understand that this is a serious thing, you know. If you have to defend your life, um, it doesn't just stop there, you know. Having an incident where you have to actually use a gun, you're going to have to go to court, it's going to have to be... It's going to affect your whole life. Yeah, it's going to really You'll affect your You'll get arrested, your you're going to lose probably your firearms for the time being and things like that. Until everything gets cleared. Right, and that's pretty crazy. One of, the, one of the coolest things, and I hear this all the time, and I don't know if you hear this as well, but I, I've never really been this way about it. Um, I think I'm a little more... Uh, willing to intervene maybe than, than you are or something. You know, everyone's personality is a little different, yeah. right? But I think I'm definitely more reserved um, than maybe the average Second Amendment or out there, or maybe just the ones that are publicly on Facebook and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. um, but one of the, the scenarios that was brought up in, in the training course, um, you know, was, okay, there's someone shooting... Uh, way down the way, you know, let's say you're in, in a hotel or, a, uh, like a, a little, like a mall, like one of those little strip malls that have like a bunch of different, you know, like shops and stuff. And you're down on one end and you hear shooting way far away. You being a CCW holder, do you go run in there and get involved or do you hang back? Yeah. And I think the hotel example was probably the best one. He goes, okay, you're in a hotel and maybe one store floor up or maybe all the way down on the other side of the floor, you hear shooting. Do you go and run down the hall and, okay, we got to figure out what's going on or do you hang back in the room and lock the door kind of a thing? And it was surprising to me how many people were like, oh yeah, we go down there. And, and he's like, absolutely not. Yeah. Your, your CCW is for your self-defense. Yes. And 
it's a last resort thing. And, and I think it's amazing to me how many people were like kind of blown away by, oh, wow, mm -hmm. yeah, like I didn't think about that. Um, and he ran through a bunch of scenarios and, you know, so yeah, it's a very serious thing. And I think that that's, that's one of the things I really loved about the class because I do think that there are a lot of people out there that, and God bless them, want to, you know, have, have their right to carry yeah. and, and their legal uh, um, right to, to possess a gun at all times. And as long as they're eligible and fall within all of the proper criteria, more power to them. Um, but you need training, you need common sense, yeah. you need to really seriously think about this. Now you're taking on this huge responsibility. Yeah, you know, and <laughs> uh, I might get in trouble with the Second Amend Amendment-ers for this. Um, I, I do believe that people should have the right to carry, but I, I do like these classes in the same way that I like hunter safety. Right. Um, even though hunter safety is more uh, about, you know, protection and, you know, protecting uh, wildlife and things like that. Um, I, I think with the CCW, just getting an understanding um, of how serious it is. Um, I think if you just allow everyone to carry a gun without having any kind of training, um, it, it could be a little dangerous because I, you know, I, I, I know some people, I mean, not personally, but I, I, I can imagine that some people uh, can be looking for incidents. Right. Um, where when you take that class, you realize that it's not like that, you know, that's, that's not the mentality to have. Well, and I do feel like we all have a little bit of that in us because I don't know how many times I've heard friends of mine not say that they want to be involved in a legitimate incident, but how many times have you heard, oh man, when the zombie apocalypse oh, happens, yeah. <laughs> like, I am ready to go, you know, and it's, and it's totally joking, yeah. right? But there's always a hint of truth behind it. Yeah. And, and I think, and I, I know I'm guilty of saying that, like, oh man, if the walking dead ever happens here, like, I'm ready to go. Like, let's get it on. Like, you know, come on, let's go fight some zombies. Well, I'm not ready to go because I don't know if I can get a hundred yard headshots like uh, Rick Grimes. With a 44, <laughs> With a 44 Magnum. Magnum. <laughs> aiming like halfway behind your, <laughs> he does that weird, like, yeah, I need a little, kinda... I need a little more training before I'm ready for that. Right. Yeah. No, well, and you need all of Hollywood behind you too, to make sure that every shot goes on point. Um, but yeah. No, yeah, um, but you know, uh, I digress. <laughs> Back to the topic. Um, yeah, I think the classes are, are very important. No, I agree with you, and I yeah, I think um, one of the things to me that that's the most important is uh, knowing knowing your personal skill level. Yeah. Because you're right. There are some people that are going to go out there and you know they're going to take the bare minimum eight hour class, and that's the last thing they will ever do. Yeah. Other than when they have to renew, they'll go and do their renewal. Yeah. And that's the la like that's the only thing. They're they're gonna be the guys that don't ever go to the range, that keep the same ten rounds in their magazine, <laughs> their magazine for for ten years, you know. And it's crazy. And and they were talking about people like that in the course, saying like, don't be one of those people. We have people all the time that come in here to do their renewal and are bragging about the fact that they've kept the same. 10 rounds in their magazine for 10 years. And he's like, it's, that's like you, that should just, you know, they haven't field stripped their gun, you know, <laughs> it's just it's some of the stuff that they were telling me, I'm like, I could not imagine that. So, um, my thought process is if you're not proactive, then obviously you need to go and have someone, you know, go, go join a class, do something yeah. where it's going to make you be proactive. If you're already proactive, keep doing dry fire drills, keep doing draw drills, like do all these different things that, you know, are gonna better prepare you for a situation like that. One of the best tips that was given in the class was run scenarios everywhere you go. When you're out to eat, 
run a quick scenario. When you sit down, okay, I'm here in the building. These are my exit points. These are the people that I'm with that I'm concerned about and that I want to protect. You know, this if someone comes in, more than likely they're going to come from here. He said that the imagination is one of the best training tools ever because you can develop a bunch of different scenarios all while sitting down to dinner. Yeah, um, well before I got into guns, I was uh, into martial arts and that was kind of the, one of the things that um, my instructor always, um, always told us, you know, when you go somewhere, you should always be aware of your surroundings and who's, and yeah. who's around, um, you know, escape routes, um, if somebody came to attack you, what you would do. Yeah. You know, if you're say going up an escalator and somebody from the other side jumped over, you know, just everything. Yeah. You, should, yeah. you should always be scanning and you know, you don't want to be that guy that gets caught off guard. Right. You know. For all of my friends, fans out there, have <laughs> unagi. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Oh, come on, man. Uh, it's I, the aware, know, it's a martial arts thing in the, from the show. It's pretty funny. I know some friends references, but not the nerdy ones. Okay. <laughs> that, one's, that one's not even that nerdy. Okay. Anyways, um, yeah, ha having awareness is, yeah, that's a big one. So anyways, so assuming that four hours is up, right? Yeah. Now you're going to go down to the range. And the range is pretty simple. It's pretty cut and dry. And the reason for that is because at the range, uh, routines and repetition are everything. The way that they do things, the way that they're very strict about things, no matter what range you go to, it's probably going to be this way. Okay. So number one is you're going to do your gear check-in. Um, they're going to ask you to bring in all of your gear. So they're going to ask you to bring in your guns. They're going to ask you to bring in your holsters, your eyes and ears, right? They're going to ask that you bring absolutely no live ammo with your firearms when you initially come in to the range portion. Um, and they will check if you're bringing in magazines because I, I think that there, I know there's some drills that have to be done with the magazines. They make sure your magazine's empty, your barrels clear everything. So once they clear all of your guns and they're all good, you now can go into the range um, portion, right? They're going to, at that point, go over basic knowledge with everyone. Once everyone's cleared in, they'll go over basic knowledge. They'll have you put on one, one of your firearms um, with your holster and it needs to be a retention holster. It doesn't have to have a thumb strap or a push button, um, a leather, you know, like for example, on a 1911, a leather holster that when you bend over, it's not gonna fall out. Yeah. What they're not looking for are those universal one size fits okay. all holsters, that sort of a thing. Um, but they do wanna make sure that, that whatever guns you're carrying are gonna stay within the holster if you're, cause they do have you move around and do things. Um, they wanna make sure that you know um, the function of all of the major parts of the weapon. Um, so if your gun has a hammer, they're gonna wanna make sure you know how to um, pull back the, you know, uh, pull back the hammer, how to disengage the hammer, all that sort of thing. Um, if it's got safeties, whether that's, you know, like grip safety, whether it's uh, uh, manual safety on the side, you know, whatever it might be, they're gonna go through all of that. And there's so many different guns out there. Um, these guys actually have to know quite a bit, um, which is pretty cool. Uh, you have to demonstrate awareness of muzzle discipline and muzzle direction. Um, you have to be able to demonstrate safe handling of uh, weapons. Um, and then you need to demonstrate the ability to safely operate each firearm. Now that's the basic knowledge and that is, I believe, required. That's like state required. So that's like, well, I, that's I could, standard for I everyone. can think of a few people that would, um, that would fail just based on the muzzle discipline. Uh, requirement. <laughs> oh yeah? Yeah. Um, but you know, hey. 
Hey, <laughs> I'm just gonna let you know right now. If you open up my gun safe and you lean in to grab a gun and you go, oh, watch your muscle discipline, and it's been sitting there for the last six weeks, <laughs> that has nothing to do with me. That has everything to do with the way it was positioned okay, in wait. the safe. I did, not, I did not name names. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Okay. If you can't watch your own muscle discipline <laughs> and then blame it on somebody else, then you might be the problem. Just saying. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. It's an ongoing joke for those of you that are probably sitting there scared to death. Like, oh my gosh, do these guys not know what muzzle discipline is? Our guns will be holstered and this guy will be like, oh, watch your muzzle discipline. <laughs> Which guy? This guy. Well, because your uh, muscle's pointing at your toes, man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, if you're carrying appendix, it's going to blow your, your leg apart, bro. Um, so, after you go through, through all that, what, what's the next step? Um, next is gear inspection. So this one, what they'll do again, all firearms at this point will then be verified against the ones that you actually listed on your application. Now, some counties, I believe will do this when you initially go in. Okay. Um, some of them want to make sure that the guns that you brought in to practice with are also the same guns that you're going to then qualify with. They have had reports of guys putting two guns or three guns on their application and then trying to bring in a fourth or a fifth without getting permission to do so. Um, Cause they're like, oh shoot, I forgot to add this one. It's really simple. You just let the range staff know, hey, I wanna also add these. Okay. You know, and they're like, oh cool, let's get all the information and document it. But if you're trying to sneak them in, then they're like, what the heck, these serial yeah. numbers aren't listed, why, you know. That just creates confusion. It does. Um, all, holstered, or all holsters will be inspected to again, ensure that they are safe and retain the weapon. We already talked about that. And then standard sights are required during qualifications, no lasers or lighting systems. Oh, um, wow. That is for Riverside County. That being said, once you're done qualifying, you can put lasers and red dot sights, the, the mini red dots on there. You can put different sights on there. Um, I don't think they care if they're like night sights or the fiber optic sights. Okay, so when you say lighting systems, what about a flashlight? Does uh, they want that off your gun? Uh, they just want it stock. Yeah. Okay. Pretty much. Okay. Um, you can have those on after the fact. Okay. The reason for that is they want to make sure that you are safe enough to operate that firearm, assuming all of your systems fail, all of your extra systems fail. Okay. That so if you sense. have a laser light combo on there or just a light or a laser and that fails, um, the light really doesn't matter, but the, the laser more yeah. so and the red dot, can you still fire iron sights and hit your target? Yeah, get used to firing iron sights anyway. <laughs> it, yeah, exactly, and that's always my, my thought process too. That's why um, you never see an AR-15 typically without some sort of backup iron sights on them, you know? Yeah. Um, whether they're canted or fold down, flip up, whatever, you know? Um, so, yeah, that's one of the big things there. The um, other reason for that, and I don't know if I have... Um, I don't know if I covered that at all. No, I don't think I did in the last episode. But the other reason why they want everything to be stock versus like, uh, you know, putting anything um, upgraded onto your firearm yeah. is because in certain states and in certain uh, case law that has happened prior to all of this, um, there have been civil suits and there have been cases where they proved that someone was maybe a little too gung-ho to be a concealed carrier and that they were looking to get into a fight by having a modified trigger or something that essentially makes it easier to basically kill a suspect. Yeah. 
And so they look at that as like, hey, this guy was kind of gearing up to, not just to defend himself, he was gearing up to go out there and, and get into a fight. There have been people that have been sued. Um, they maybe weren't convicted of any crimes and, the, and it was considered self-defense, but um, they have been sued in civil court because they put race triggers and, and um, pretty high-tech stuff on their guns. And yeah. It showed that kind of like, hey, this guy was out kind of looking to prove a point maybe. Okay, that makes that makes sense. I mean, um, you know, with the way things are, people are always looking for for lawsuits and yeah, and they'll they'll get, find any little yeah. loophole that they can. Um, so yeah, um, once all that's done, then you start dry fire training. Now with dry fire training, uh, most of you guys are probably already familiar with that, but basically, what you're doing is you're firing the gun without any rounds in it, right? So they have you do um, the they run through whatever they their proper technique is, and each place is going to be a little different. But um, the sheriff's department typically is going to say, "Hey, this is the sheriff's approved way of okay. of carrying firing." So they'll go through the proper technique for draw, load, ready, fire, and clear. And you're going to have to do that over and over and over and over again. Um, once that's all completed and they dismiss you from dry fire training, at that point you will be allowed to go return to your vehicles and get the ammo for the guns that you intend to qualify with. Okay. Yeah, so that's when it starts that's getting real. That's pretty intense. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty crazy. Um, and uh, they, you know, once you get the ammo, then you're allowed to load your magazines and qualifications, the real qualifications begin. How long would you say, would you guess the, um the time is from your check-in all the way till you start qualify qualification. It's gonna sound crazy because you would think that qualification would take the longest of all of it, uh -huh. but I would say it was probably about two and a half hours dedicated before towards, the qualification. Yeah, okay. um, and then then there's maybe an hour and a half of qualification time. Here's the thing: you're participating in the entire first two and a half hours. But with qualifications, they typically only have a limited amount of space on the range. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. So you're really only spending 5 to 15 minutes qualifying. And so let's go through qualifications. Okay. So this is pretty crazy. I'm going to give you the qualification requirements first, and then I'll kind of walk through how it happens. So you have to fire a total of 18 rounds with every single firearm you intend to list on your CCW. Um, we already talked about that it has to be between a 380 and a 45. Um, and so you do, uh, at the 15 yard line, you do six rounds into a silhouette. So it's like the FBI, I forget the actual name of the target, but it's like the FBI silhouette target. So it's literally the silhouette of somebody, I think at um, like a six foot tall person, basically, uh, average height silhouette. Then you do six rounds at 10 yards into the silhouette, and then six rounds at seven yards into the silhouette. You need a 70% to pass. So you need a total of 13 rounds on target within the black silhouette, and then you would be considered as qualified with that particular firearm. Okay. Now, here's the thing. If you have a five-shot revolver, which I think like the Ruger LCRs are those, those little five-shot revolvers, then you do 15 rounds and okay, it's so five, five, five. Yeah, yeah. Three, uh, yeah. Three, three revolvers full. Right. <laughs> um, let's recap just a little bit um, of the cost of the training. 
um, what is it a hundred dollars for the training and range fee a uh, hundred plus around there the cheapest that I found both private and public that I was able to find so private being just one of their approved vendors that one of their approved ranges was $100 for the day not okay. including ammo okay and then you're talking about 50 plus dollars for ammo yeah about because you have to bring in um, some of the places will let you just bring in whatever ammo you have some of the places are a little more strict and they want you to bring in a fresh like 50 round box of ammo so that way they know exactly what you're shooting okay. what and they want it to be target ammo they don't want you bringing in any crazy like self-defense rounds or anything like that <laughs> and you would be crazy to bring that in to be spending that kind of money just to qualify oh yeah i mean if you're spending over a dollar a bullet just to just to qualify on a paper target that's crazy not to say that you shouldn't test out your... Yeah, I your, mean, you should use it yes. to make sure your gun size yeah. it correctly and that you can shoot it accurately, but... Absolutely. Yeah, you don't want to um, spend that. <laughs> yeah, so um, you're going to spend about uh, $150 just for this, this portion of it, the training portion. And that does include the classroom time, too. Okay. So the full eight-hour day. Um, where were we? Uh, oh, on qualification. Yeah, qualification. Yeah, so the, you do six rounds at 15, six rounds at 10, and six rounds at seven. The way it works is if you have three magazines for each of your firearms, you will load each magazine with six rounds because they want you changing out the magazine each time. So what they'll do is they'll have you approach the line with your three magazines either in a magazine holder or in your pocket. I think a magazine holder would probably be the easiest way to do it. Um, and then discard them either in a you know your pocket or drop bag or whatever. I mean, okay. you don't have to get some of those guys out there get very tactical about it. Yeah, and wear all imagine. their gear and I could totally imagine. <laughs> yeah, um, but I think to my understanding, you can do it with just you know you can have them in your right pocket and throw them, the empties in your left or in your back pocket, whatever. So they make you approach the line with your gun completely unloaded and the slide racked back to the rear, right? Okay. So then they'll have you draw. You're gonna hold your gun at low ready. You're gonna insert one of the magazines with six rounds. They'll have you move the slide forward, rack the slide forward. Then they'll get you again into um, your ready to fire stance. Um, and they'll give you the command, you know, put six rounds on target and then unload, you know, when, when done, unload the magazine. Keep the slide rack to the rear. Keep all of your firearms facing forward. When we give you the command, you'll reholster. So they'll give you the command, low ready, load, slide forward, on target, six rounds, boom, 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 boom. And then eject, magazine, into pocket, guns all clear, slide, or you know, put it into your holster. Um, okay, everyone approach the 10 yard. And it's the same thing over and okay. over. Um, when you get to the seven, they have you keep your firearm out the whole time. So after you're done with your six rounds, you keep your firearm out, you drop the magazine out of there, pocket the magazine, have your firearm out. They come by, physically inspect it, make sure that there's no live round in the chamber. Okay, slide your slide forward, holster, your gun's clear, wait here. They go down the line, clear everyone's gun. Okay, everyone approach your targets. And then at that point, they approach the targets, total up your score. As long as you got 13 within the silhouette, you're good to go. Wow, pretty pretty simple. I mean, yeah, it's super simple. And that sounds like it would probably move pretty quick. Um, so once we completed qualifications, 
Um, I think we should take a break and talk about our cigar. Uh, the Gurkha Beauty. I'm, I'm liking it. I just don't like that. I feel like I have to touch it up a lot. It was burning really, really, really good yeah. um, at the beginning, and it seems to be burning on one side more than the other. And it looks like you've kind of been having the same. Yeah, I don't issue. know if you saw, because you had like a really good ash initially. Yeah. Um, mine popped off, I think, I mean, it wasn't even a half inch, but it yeah. was clean. And then the second one, still clean. Um, but now it's like, well, right now it's good. But yeah. I don't know if you saw how jagged it was there yeah. for a little while. <laughs> um, definitely not holding the razor edge. Delicious flavor. Almost a bit more than I prefer, though. Yeah, it's definitely for a Connecticut. Has a little more of that pepper, pepper zing that um, you don't really get from Connecticut's too much. Um, you get more from the like the medium-bodied cigars. Um, but other than that, yeah, it does. It's pretty. pretty I, don't, I don't know how to describe what I'm <laughs> tasting. Uh, the the pepper zing makes sense. It's. I don't know if this is even a term but it's like drier than I prefer. Um, it's not so much that it's, I don't know how to explain it. Um, okay, so for example, some of the ones that we have, they often say, oh, it's got like a creamy finish, yeah. almost like a vanilla kind of a. Yeah, almost like it leaves like a slick. Yeah. Almost sweetness. Yeah. Um, whereas this just feels really dry, like a dry. And it's crazy too, because of the volume of smoke, you would yes. think that it's, and there you can tell it's super a super moist, a humid cigar. Yeah, the um, the, but it's, the volume of smoke is the other thing I wanted to comment on. It's put it's got really really good smoke output. Um, when you take a draw, you take in a mouthful of smoke. You know, some of them. Um, I, I've had some cigars where you you draw and you blow out the smoke, and you're like, man, is this thing even lit? Yeah. And it is. Uh, where this one, you there's no doubt that it's lit. Oh yeah, and <laughs> and like we said, it's just it's just even after you're done puffing, it's just like the smoke's just pouring off the yeah. foot. Yeah, there's it's just a ton of smoke output. Yeah, uh, which is not an indication of a good or bad cigar, just an observation that I have. And I wonder, <laughs> I, and I, I'm not super familiar with Gurkhas. It's one of the few cigars I'm not very familiar with. Yeah. I, I wonder if this is how they all are. I, I'm, I'm actually curious. I thought this was going to hit a lot harder. Um, I know a guy that smokes a lot of Gurkhas. I'll ask him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we may have to have uh, him do a guest appearance. Well, I, I think. I think he wants to do a guest appearance. Oh, awesome. Because okay. he also likes uh, uh, whiskey and scotch and stuff. So. Well, there we go. Let's do it. <laughs> Perfect. I assume um, we maybe could do one of the smokiest Gurkhas with the smokiest <laughs> uh, cigar or something. Or uh, uh, whiskey, I mean. So how is this Gurkha pairing with your Heineken Zero? Honestly, it's actually really good. Um, I think because the Heineken is just like a refreshing, cold beverage um, I mean it tastes just like a Heineken um, I'm kind of curious to taste it a bit I don't want to really open up a Heineken um, because I don't like the way Heineken tastes on it you know regular Heineken it, it, to me Heineken has like a like a skunky flavor to it and no I agree it's not uh, not something this that one doesn't ha even have the scent that skunky scent really and yeah, I wonder really if that's, that's from the actual from the alcohol. <laughs> the alcohol content. No, it really could be. Um, but do you think it tastes similar to a regular Heineken, or you just think it tastes like a good beer? No, it tastes it tastes similar. Like, the flavor itself tastes very similar to a regular Heineken. I'm just not getting the same scent that I would off of a Heineken. Uh -huh. um, it's, uh, it's strange. I don't know how to explain it. It tastes... 
like a Heineken, but, and that's part of the reason why Heineken's not necessarily one of my go-tos. Cause yeah, it does have that very like um, skunky kind of uh, scent and, and even flavor to it. And this kind of um, dulls that away. It's actually, it's actually really good. Uh, maybe it's so good cause you haven't had beer in five days. No, I don't think so. <laughs> cause I'm not, I, like, yes, I drink beer, but I would probably, I've gone more than, you know, a few weeks without drinking beer, you know, it, I don't know. I, <laughs> I don't know, I, I, I'm, I guess what I would say is that I would actually prefer, like, a whiskey over a beer. Yeah. But. Yeah, or, you know, a cocktail or whatever. Um, yeah, like a Jack and Coke or something. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, it's actually really good. So, I, when I'm done with this one, if you want to try one, I'll... I'll I'll have another because what there's zero alcohol in it, right? <laughs> so <laughs> gonna get, gonna go go uh, party hard tonight. Anyway, moving forward, you I might even have a water bottle. You passed your gear inspections. <laughs> um, everything's good. Qualification. You passed your qualification. And you have to do that with each and every firearm, not just with one. Okay. So just FYI. So you if you have two, three, you're revisiting that same line progression: fifteen, ten, seven for every single firearm. Okay, so assuming everything's good, uh, what is the next step? So, assuming you went the pre-approval route and you got everything done, like all of your applications good, everything's all good, the last thing you did was go to training, what you'll do is you'll send in the certificate that you completed the in-class portion, and then you'll send in the certificate saying that you completed qualifications with, you know, um, one, two, three, six of your firearms, up to six of your firearms. You'll send that in, when you're done with that, once you've sent that all in, um, they'll go ahead and process everything, put it through their computer, do whatever. Whatever they do. Whatever they <laughs> whatever do. Whatever you're paying them to yeah, do. Yeah, whatever you're paying them to do. Um, and then they will give you a call and say, hey, uh, you're all good to go. Um, come on down and uh, whenever you have a free day and pick up your permit. Um, I know that uh, we've talked about this before with, you know, waiting that 10 day period to, uh, get your firearm and that guys have uh, gotten there even before the 10 day period and had to wait, you know, 20, yep. 30 minutes. Um, uh, a lot of the guys, when they give them calls and stuff like that, I mean, they're okay. When, when's the soonest I can get down there to get my permit? Um, cause it's like, uh, it's almost unheard of, of people getting permits in California sometimes. And so yeah. it's kind of like this cool feeling of like, Oh wow. Like I actually got it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they give you a call, you go down there and, um, they give you your permit. It's good for two years. We talked about that last time. Um, and they tell you basically 90 days before your expiration date, sign up again for your renewal. You'll go through a four hour renewal class, which is basically, I think just qualifications again. Um, and then yeah, you're good to go and you get it for another two years. So, um, obviously you got to pay all the associated fees and everything else, but so what would happen, um, if you go and get yourself a, a new weapon, you want to get that one um, put onto your CCW license uh, to carry that. So they have amendments. I believe Riverside charges $10 to do the amendment, but you do have to go qualify. So you still have to pay whatever it is for the four hour course. I'm going to assume it's $50 uh -huh. considering it's half the time. Um, probably not, but <laughs> it's probably not. It's probably still a hundred or 80 or, you know, something like that. Um, but you do have to go down and qualify with that weapon. Um, and then once you're qualified with it, then you pay, I believe it's $10 to have a new card printed. Um, cause on the back of 
the card, they list the firearms that you're eligible to carry with the serial numbers and everything. Yeah, so I would keep that in mind um, if you're thinking about getting your CCW and you do live in California to make sure you have the weapons that you want to carry um, just so you don't have to go through all that. Yeah. Um, you know. Well, uh, and it's kind of interesting. Some guys will, you know, there are guys that will go out there and they'll, they'll put six, they'll put the max, they'll put six weapons on there. And there are other guys that'll go out there and they're like, this is the one I, I'm just going to carry this yep, one. This and is it. No matter what, this is the one I'm going to carry. Mm -hmm. um, and so, I mean, there's a mix of everything out there. You see some guys that maybe have like their compact gun and then have a full size gun. Um, you know, I know a lot of hunters prefer to carry like, o like old school revolvers, 44 yeah. Magnums, 45 long Colts, things like that, where you know, hey, I'm going to hunt with this thing, but when I go into town, I want to be able just to keep it in my bag or, you know, something like that, not have to worry about unloading it and locking it and storing it all separately. And so for convenience, sometimes it is good to put some guns that you might not necessarily consider a concealed carry gun. And then you start realizing like, oh, shoot, I'm out camping and I'm carrying this thing with me everywhere. If I want to go into town, now I got to lock it up and, you yeah. know, do go through the whole process. So. Um, so yeah. Yeah, some of us have like really nice guns that you can wear when you're dressing up and you know, um, when you know, you, you just a real formal uh, attire and stuff. You have really nice 1911s that you can carry with you. Um, some of us have those. Um, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, I'm can just, I, just I, I, no, option, I just have know? a question for you. When was the last time you dressed up? <laughs> Wait, how do you, why do you always assume that I'm talking about myself or you or... I'm just saying, some people have really nice, you know, Kimbers and stuff like that that they want to carry um, when they're dressing up. Interesting. You know? Okay. Just saying. So would you consider like Hashtag a... Just a TRP a nice 1911? It's, it's when you're dressed the middle of the road. Oh yeah? <laughs> not high end. When was the last time road. you were dressed middle of the road? <laughs> Uh, when I used to work in a regular <laughs> job. Anyways, so yeah, once everything's complete, you're gonna, you're gonna hurry up and wait. I think it's like typically like five to ten business days processing. So like two yeah, weeks. Yeah, when your um, county decides to get around to it. Yeah, exactly. Much. And then as soon as you're advised, again, you can pick it up. And yeah, so then, then your life with the CCW permit begins, right? Now you have this permit and it's like, it's almost like a dog that gets a hold of a bird that has been like chasing for forever and you're like, okay, like now what do I even do with it, mm -hmm. you know? Um, there's, a, it's, it's kind of crazy and I think you can attest to this as well. Um, you know, even in the, in the opportunities that we've had to carry out of state and, and learning kind of what life is like with the CCW, it's kind of, it, there's a little bit of a learning curve. And I know it sounds crazy like, and I, I think it's Colleen Noir who had a video of like, the first time he ever concealed carried yeah and and for those first few months of like not even wanting to carry with around in the chamber mm -hmm. and like being really self-conscious of oh my gosh like i'm carrying a gun who knows that i like does yeah. everyone know you know it's like this kind of weird um like you're so excited and then when you actually get it it's almost like oh my gosh like this is crazy you know um so anyways um there are some basic rules uh, with life with a CCW permit, and I do have to thank uh, USA Carry for a lot of this information. I was able to pull most of it directly off their website. 
Um, and this was specifically under their uh, like California portion. Um, but I'm gonna just go through this. Uh, it's probably not gonna be so much of, uh, there's, there's basically what I'm saying is there's a lot of information, so I'm pretty much just gonna read off a lot of this. So, um, uh, number one is you can only carry the guns that you're qualified on. We've already yeah. talked about that. Adding more requires amendment paperwork. Um, you cannot carry at the following places, and this is almost more important than where you can carry. Yes. Um, and this is it, this is kind of similar for out of state too. A lot of these are gonna gonna go across state lines. Some some states are a little more relaxed. Um, Arizona definitely is, but um, most of the other states that Arizona, I think there's 30 other states that like an Arizona CCW will qualify with. Um, they're they're pretty similar. So you cannot carry at a gun show or an event where guns are being sold, where there is the same type of ammunition, like for the guns present. Okay. Um, that's specific to California. I don't know if that is anywhere else. Um, you cannot carry in the state capital, any legislative office, any office of the governor or other constitutional officer, or any hearing room in which any committee of the Senate or assembly is conducting a hearing or upon the grounds of the state capitol in Sacramento. They, in fact, give you like the, the street boundaries, too. Okay. Um, and you can look that up. You cannot carry at or in the vicinity of a polling place, so where, where you're eligible to vote. Um, you cannot carry while engaged in picketing or other inf uh, informational activities in a public place relating to a concerted refusal to work. Um, so I would assume like anytime, yeah. like, well, anytime you go on strike, yeah. anything like that. I wonder if that is like same would be the same as like uh, like protesting too. Uh, possibly. Um, courtrooms. You're not allowed to carry in courtrooms. Yeah, you can't um, carry knives in courtrooms. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you can't carry handcuff keys in courtrooms. Really? I, I didn't know that. Yeah, um, when I used to work loss prevention, I was summoned for jury duty and had a handcuff key on me, um, and they go, you cannot have that in here. And I was like, oh, I didn't even know. <laughs> um, I go, I have a guard card, and they're like, yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, any public place or street while masked. Um, that one's kind of a weird one, but I mean, it makes sense, but yeah. like that, it's oddly specific. Um, <laughs> all public and private K through 12 schools and college university campuses. So this is going to be one thing where I'm going to bring up um, some political, <laughs> political things where they, they say uh, about arming teachers. Yeah. Um, this is not something, uh, th this is an argument that, that always bothers me because it's not something that I think people understand when you talk about arming teachers. It's not arming teachers like, here, you're a teacher, let me give you a gun. Congratulations, yeah. here's a gun. Yeah. It's, it's not like the draft. I believe, I do personally believe that if a teacher qualifies to carry a CCW, you know, a concealed weapon, they're eligible and they, uh, you know, they're, they're allowed to carry, then they should be able to carry at their place of work. Um, I agree. And I think that's what people's, they can't really wrap their head around. Um, you always hear the counter arguments of, oh yeah, you know, you're just gonna hand a teacher a, a, a pistol or whatever and send them in the classroom. It's like, no, nobody's saying that. Yeah. You know, the usually what they're saying is if a teacher can conceal carry, they qualify, they have done all the paperwork and, you know, they checked all the boxes and they can legally carry, they should be able to legally carry in a school. Anyway, rant over. <laughs> well, to add on to that though, this also applies to parents. Think yes. about this, right? You're coming home from work 
um, or from wherever you're at and you're carrying your firearm, your wife calls you and says, hey, um, I need you to go pick up the kids. Yeah. And you're like, well, I'm strapped, so yeah, you know, you what can't. am I supposed to do? One of the things that was um, told to us in, um, I think it was the, the, was it the Arizona portion of, they're allowed with, with a resident permit, they're allowed to go just to pick up students and come back yeah. or something like that. It's, it's allowed in that case, um, which in, in California, it's not. Um, one of the things that um, you could do though, um, is you could ground the weapon in your vehicle, in a secured, stored lockbox. In, in an event like that, they make all kinds of like really, really small, slim lockboxes that you can keep in your vehicle and just park off the curtilage. Um, I think you have to be 100 feet away <laughs> and just park off, cur like off the, yeah. you know, the property and just walk on, get your kids and walk out. You know, it's a pain in the butt, but it's the yeah, law. Yeah, it's just so ridiculous. It is, it is, absolutely. But at the end of the day, um, it's either that or lose your CCW. Yeah. So the next one's pretty ridiculous too. Any county property in San Francisco, <laughs> which is yeah, that one's pretty ridiculous. There are some other counties too, um, I believe that have have yeah. stricter um, carry That's laws. That's just putting a huge sign saying, "Hey, San Francisco, anybody around here? Nobody's carrying weapons except for the police." <laughs> And even I think in some areas the police aren't supposed to carry on wow. duty. That's pretty, pretty um, scary. Issuing authorities can include any reasonable restrictions or conditions to your CCW license. So if your sheriff decides, hey, look, um, that sounds great, but you work here, we don't want you know that business doesn't want you carrying here, so you can't. Your license is good, but you can't carry there. Yeah. Um, I think this one's a little more important when it comes to issues with like things like divorce or um, bro okay. broken families in that yeah. sense where, you know, maybe there was uh, some volatile feelings mm -hmm. um, where they say, hey, you're not going to carry around your ex-spouse, yeah. you know, things that like that. That makes sense. Um, what about state parks and such? Uh, we're going to go with state parks, yes. State forests, yes. And this is with the CCW. Um, national forests. In California, yes. Um, outside of California, it's up to the state. Okay. So even though it's a national, or sorry, not national forest, the national parks. Yeah. National parks, even though they're national, the parks, uh, the state is allowed to dictate where, where you can carry in the national parks and stuff. Okay. So California, even though Arizona says you can carry in any national park with our permit, uh, California says, no, that's not the case. You have to have a resident permit to carry in a California national park or in a national park that is in California. Sorry. Okay. Um, wildlife management areas. No, you may not conceal carry in any wildlife management areas. Roadside rest areas. Yes, you can carry there. Yeah. So that's, uh, those are just some of the like weird ones that are, yeah. you know, they don't really yeah. qualify as city, county or state. It's. And yeah. I, I would give my advice to everybody that I always give, just do your research. Um, if you have a question, just look it up. I mean, there's some the great app. apps too that yeah. have all that info too. Yeah, that's the best way to do it is just, just make sure. Um, to me, life with a CCW, um, it's just, re just do your research. It requires a little more, a little more effort 
um, in anything, you know? Well, knowing the laws is really, really, really important. I cannot stress that enough. Especially when going out of state. Yeah. So it's really easy to memorize the laws in your state because you're dealing yeah, with them every in day. Yeah, everyday life, it's really easy. There are some awesome apps out there um, that you can plug in, hey, I have a CCW for these states. And then it'll basically tell you on an overall map where you can carry and what permits you need for what states and what rights you have in each state too, yeah. which is really cool. It kind of takes the guesswork out of it and it'll pull up the laws directly for you so you can read them word for word. Yeah, I believe it was James Yeager. He posted a really good map on his uh, on his Instagram. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The... It's a funny one, but anyway, you might want to go check that out on your own. Oh, yeah, that yeah, that one. Yeah, um, the one that is highly recommended, it's just, it. the app is just called CCW um, and it's got a handgun on it with an American, <laughs> American flag. flag. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So, yeah. Um, so this is a very important, uh, point in the next one is kind of ties in with our little podcast here. Um, alcohol and CCW. This one's a great one for sober October. Yes. <laughs> because in California, you cannot consume any alcoholic beverage while carrying a concealed weapon. Um, or be in a place having a primary purpose of dispensing alcoholic beverages for on-site consumption. Now... That's a little crazy because in California, you're like, oh my gosh, every sports bar, every restaurant here has some kind of like a bar and a like dining area. Yeah. Am I allowed to go in, let's say like a yard house and can I carry there if I'm not going to have a beer? Yes, you can. The That's primary purpose is not to serve alcohol. Okay. It's to serve food and alcohol. Um, however, where it comes into play is if you are sitting at the bar you know, and you're just chilling at the bar and you yeah. haven't ordered food and you're not showing that, hey, like I'm here simply to have my lunch and head out or dinner and head out, you know? Yeah, I think that's good. Um, only because, I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm not a big fan of bars and it's only because, um, you know, people that can get overly in intoxicated, right. you know, can get aggressive and they just don't want anything bad to happen, you know, where right. you'd have to defend yourself. Um in a lethal way, right? Um, just over some kind of bar in incident. Where this is very important in California, because we have a ton of these, are microbreweries okay. and wineries. Okay. Their primary purpose is dispensing alcohol. Um, any standalone bar that maybe doesn't have a dining separate area um, would be considered something like that too. Um, and then you cannot be under the influence of any medication or drug, whether prescribed or not. So that even includes things like NyQuil. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, whether prescribed or not. Like, you're, if, if it's going to inhibit you in any way, shape, or form, you probably shouldn't be carrying. Now, I get it. There's a little debate, like, when it comes to maybe, like, allergy medication. Um, at that point, you know, you need to make sure that it's not going to inhibit you in any way. Um, maybe like non-drowsy or things that you know don't have adverse reactions or side effects. Yeah. Um, now, here's a fun fact. Um, the state of Nevada allows up to a 0.1 blood alcohol content for all CCW holders. So you can be <laughs> more intoxicated than the legal driving limit and still carry a handgun. That's insane. Right? Yeah. Because it's 0.08 yeah, is 0.08. legal driving limit. They allow 0.1. You know what's funny is... When I read that, I thought it was 0 .01, but 0 .01. No, 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 0 .1. You, can, you cannot drive a car, At but you can still yeah. carry a gun there. Um, 
I think the reason for that is to give leniency when going through places like Las Vegas, where you're maybe going to stop off and have a beer, but you know, maybe can't get back to your room, things like that. Yeah, I don't recommend. I don't either. Any alcohol when you're carrying. Yeah. Yeah. And alcohol and guns don't mix, in my opinion. No. At all. But there, that's it's just a fun fact. So. So you brought up, uh, you know, a place, and we use the yard house as an example. Okay. Uh, what happens if you walk into the yard house and it says no firearms allowed or gun free zone yeah, or gun something free like that? Zone okay. Or- um, so no guns or firearm signs, um, or gun free zone signs do not have the force of law in California, unless it is a place that was already off limits to carry as stated in the California law, which I read all those. Yes. Already. So you like courthouse. Yeah. So if you walk into a courthouse and it says gun free, then yeah, you're, you're screwing up. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to have a bad day. Um, no, if it just simply has a, Hey, we do not allow firearms here. Um, that does not, that's not the law. That's just their public or, uh, company policy. Yeah. They just don't want to serve you or whatever. That's that's their prerogative. Technically you're totally allowed to carry in places like that. Yes. However, if the owner or management asks you to leave because they know that you're carrying a gun or assume that you're carrying a gun, um, you must comply or you could be arrested for trespassing at that point. Cause now, now you're breaking their Policy. And they can basically ask you to leave for whatever reason. Yeah, they have the right to refuse yeah. service to anyone. So. Um, but in my opinion, if they know you're carrying, then you're doing it wrong. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, there's a diff- definite difference between concealed carry and covert carry. Yeah. Just because you're concealed carrying doesn't mean you're being covert about it. And it's always better to be covert. So, yeah. Um, you know, we can talk... I think uh, a good topic that we could talk about at a later date that would go well with this would be like um, some of the self-defense and California castle doctrine and things like that. Um, you know, and, and that I think is a whole, I kind of wanted to get into it, but since we're a little short on time, I think that's something that we could bring Yeah, that could, we could probably day. do a whole uh, episode on that. Right. Um, one of the other things though, so let's kind of move on um, from that is the duty to inform. Um, it is not required by law, but some counties do require it. Um, so if you get pulled over, what this means is if you get pulled over or you encounter law enforcement, um, is it your duty to immediately inform them? Um, again, not required by law. Some counties do require it. If they issue you your CCW, they say, you get stopped, you have to report it ASAP. Um, I would just say it's always recommended. Yeah. If you're a friend of law enforcement and you want to be on the good side of things, just always say, hey, look. I have a CCW permit. My gun is in, you know, my, you know, I'm appendix carrying or it's strong side or it's on my small back or I have it in my backpack. How would you like me to proceed officer? Yeah. You know, don't go reaching for it. Don't, you know, that's pretty self-explanatory, but I think it, you know, it's important. Um, and then I know we did already kind of talk about this, but reciprocity, um, many other states recognize the, um, California CCW permit. Um, you can look it up online. You mm-hmm. can download an app. Um, what's funny is that California does not recognize any other state. So there's 49 other states and they do not recognize any other state. <laughs> um, it is worth it to get a non-resident permit for out of state, which we've discovered. And a lot of the people we know have discovered, um, with multiple permits, you can actually carry in most of the U S states. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't think you can carry anywhere with any permit. I don't, I mean, you have to be like, I think there's a few that require you to be a resident. 
Um, so yeah, if you're a resident of California, you're kind of set because you can get California and then you can get some other states. Yeah, at the, um, the time that I got my the Arizona uh, concealed carrier permit, it was valid in 30 states um, as a non-resident. But if you're a resident of Arizona, it's valid in 36 states. Yeah, so yeah. So you get six states. Which I think California adds a couple states to that list yeah. as well, which is kind of nice. And then I think um, Florida adds a few more. And I think all in all, you can get close to like 40-something yeah, states. Yeah, I think a lot of people do like a Arizona, Utah, and Washington, I think. Oh, yeah. Um, combination to get the most states that you really can get. If right. You're a California Especially resident. if you travel for work or yeah. things like that, then that's always good, too. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a really good thing for a truck driver or something, you know. But, yeah. And, again, I think since we're short on time, um, we can probably cover uh, good concealed carry guns and, um, you know, uh, carry methods and positions in another uh, episode, too. Yeah. There's actually, I didn't, you know, I, there, there is so much to this. That yes. This is a very deep topic. It really is. Um, and I think it, we were, we were trying to be a little ambitious and tackle it all at once. But, yes. Um, yeah. And was, Ryan is a little long winded. I am, <laughs> but it's for good reason. <laughs> yes. He definitely did a lot of research for this. Oh um, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, this was, uh, this was mostly him putting this whole, uh, episode together for everybody. Um, so thank you, Ryan. It's pretty, oh, yeah. pretty, very informative. I learned a lot. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, you want to go ahead and revisit the cigar? Absolutely. Um, it's awesome. It's holding together a little better now yeah. as far as the razor edge. Um, it is getting stronger <laughs> the further uh, yes. into it I get. And I'm noticing um, not necessarily lightheadedness, but I'm definitely noticing that uh, it's, it's, it's starting to get potent well i put mine down because i was starting to get a little bit of lightheadedness um so i put mine down about 10 minutes ago okay um because i was just like uh, you know yeah <laughs> no you no use getting sick over these oh yeah uh, but it, i enjoyed it it was a very very tasty cigar um yeah I, I, I liked it i think it's definitely helped that i i was a little long-winded this uh this time <laughs> and the last time because it's just yeah, really allowing me to too fast yeah to kind of take my time between puffs and it, you know but it could be that heineken that's really getting to you oh yeah that zero zero <laughs> man it's all that hydration it, it's it's you know this is like the gatorade of beers <laughs> <laughs> So, um, as usual, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, at Smoke the Podcast. Um, we really appreciate everybody listening. Um, and yeah, just go do some research and see if you can get yourself a CCW. Maybe fill out an application if you get declined, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Again, some counties are going to be stricter than others, so I wouldn't take it too personally. You can kind of look up online and see what counties are, are going to be tough. And I know yeah. that you kind of... I come from a tough county. Yeah, and you did some research on yeah. it, and, and uh, there's a lot more involved. So um, it can't hurt if, if you feel that it's your right, you know. It's uh, definitely worth looking into, and yeah, if you want to take on that responsibility, by all means. All right, so this is Smoke the Podcast signing off. Good night, everybody. Good night.